All right, um, cool, we're getting started a little bit early. We may get out of here early. Um, we kind of ended last week, and I apologize a little bit after I went back and, and thought about everything that I talked about. I tried to cram a lot into a really short amount of time, so I apologize if it was a little too much information, but basically, um, we, were trying, we were trying to get to a place of understanding what fast looks like, especially in the New Testament. Um, Jesus fasted, so obviously there seems to be a good reason to do it, but at the same time, Fasting is exclusive to Christianity. It was before and it's after. It's in other religions and it's required by some religions as well. So fasting, we want to make sure we don't make it a legalistic thing or uh, like another law. Uh, the same thing with communion. We've talked about communion and at the end of our fast we're going to have communion and it's just kind of a direction on what we're feeding on and what we're living off of and so we're going to go from fasting to communion. So my whole focus last week, and I'll try to wrap it up in this, is, is that and several people that I've talked to this week have asked either what I've given up or what they should give up as, 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 as this fast as we go through this month corporately as a body. And I've had the same response to all of them. And if I've talked to you, you remember that what I said was, I'm not concerned with what you fast. <laughs> that's, that's, it, it, to me, that's a bit irrelevant. I'm more concerned with what direction you're going. What are you going for? What are you leading towards? And we can talk about that. Um, and the reason that is, is the, the same thing I was telling you guys when, when we get focused on something so much... Um, and, and we're so consumed with it, we forget to eat. It's kind of a, uh, and we use food as a, as a pretty good example because across the board we all like to eat at some point because we have to survive off of it. Um, but there are lots of things that we end up giving up inadvertently when we're focused on something. Does that make sense? So when we're driven and we're focused towards something, we, we begin to give up other things. There are things that we can't do because we're so focused on something else. So to me, the, the whole New Testament fast is the same way Jesus did. He had a purpose. He went straight from fasting, um, and then he was tested. And I would, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. <laughs> we may get tested, and that's fine, because we know who our God is. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's with us. Cool story. Lots of great imagery there. But to say that, we, we are moving towards something. We're moving for something. This, this grace thing puts us in a precarious position. It's the wind at our backs. It's what, it's what drives us. And so when we're moving towards something... There's going to be those things. There's going to be adversity, and then there's going to be some things that we end up giving up. I just don't want those to be the focus. I don't want the giving up to be the focus. I want the direction to be the focus. And we know what the direction is. Love the Lord our God and love people. And so we, we come together in unity within our church, and then we reach out to our community. It's really basic, simple stuff. So in a nutshell, that's basically what we've been talking about. Now, to springboard off of Isaiah, um, last week, which was all the way in the new, in, the, um, in, well, in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Isn't the fast I choose to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then, this is what I didn't talk about last week, then, verse 8, then your light will appear like dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be, a, will be your rear guard. Um... This, to me, is the focus of fasting. We don't fast to give up something. We fast so that we can pour out to the community, so that we have something to give them that's not something that we can see, something spiritual, something real, uh, uh, God's truth, not our own. Does that make sense? And so as we, as we go into this, this fasting, I begin to look at, okay, what, where, where do we fit in this? Where are we on this journey of, of seeking the Lord and understanding what he has for our lives, our purpose? Um, We've talked about he's purposed us, he's, he's purposed us, he's predestined us, he's called us, all of us individually and us corporately as a body. And so when we look at, at this, I think, um, I, I love, and this gives me hope as a pastor that, 
that Jesus tells stories all the time. And I love that Jesus tells stories because he doesn't just give us new rules and new laws. And one of my favorite stories and, and probably one of the more famous ones is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, if, if, if you will, go with me to Luke 10, 25. And we're going to go through this real quick and then we're going to come back to it. But it's Luke 10, 25. And uh, this is a, an, an expert of the law. This is a, a, a lawyer, a Jewish, a Jewish lawyer that understands the law. He, he knows the first five books of the Bible. He understands the Torah. He is, he's probably memorized it. Um, and so he comes up to test Jesus. Verse 25 says, Just then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? So basically Jesus is saying, okay, he, typical Jesus, he answers a question with another question. Okay, you tell me. He says, what's written in the law? How do you interpret it? How do you read it? And the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your, and all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. And when he says live, he's talking about Zoe. We've been talking about Zoe life. You will have eternal life, which starts now. Now, this should have been the end of the conversation, right? I mean, what else is there to talk about? He asked Jesus a question. Jesus asked him a question. He answered the question correctly. Jesus says, you're right. Now do it. Done, right? That, that should be the end of the conversation. Done deal. I can imagine Jesus walking off and going, three, two, one. Wait a minute. <laughs> Who is my neighbor? And that's what this lawyer says. But wanting to justify himself, I love Eugene Peterson in the message that says, looking for a loophole. <laughs> but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem. This is what I love about Jesus. He immediately breaks into a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. <clears throat> A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be, a, to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Done. End of story. He's kind of a cliffhanger. You're right. There's a lot going on here. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story um, that kind of shaped some of my childhood. How many of you recognize this move? Let me see if I can do it. Anybody? Where's that from? Karate Kid. All right. <laughs> karate Kid was a pivotal movie in my youth because I was a karate expert after seeing the movie. <laughs> the Karate Kid I watched on VHS, we didn't have Netflix, Netflix and chill. We didn't have that back then. We had VHS and bring it back like eight days late and you paid for the movie basically <laughs> and forgot to rewind it. I'm sorry, I'm old. Kids are like, tape? What is this tape? <laughs> True story, one of my kids found an old uh, camcorder, which is an old, such, such an old-fashioned term that when I text it to someone, it autocorrected it as another word. <laughs> Nobody even says camcorder anymore. 
but it was a cassette tape, and they were like, what is, is this like a big memory card? Yes, that's exactly what it is. Anyway, so we watched Karate Kid on VHS and, uh, and messed with the vertical hold to make sure, that, okay, okay, we're good. And then we watched it, and how many of you remember the whole journey and, and thinking, why is, why is this, this, this Asian guy making him clean all of his things and paint his fence and sand his deck? And, and I can, one of my favorite scenes was when uh, uh, Daniel's son, uh, Daniel was getting frustrated, and he was like, and by the way, all these movies that we grew up with kids have so many cuss words in them. I, I go, I'm like, oh, we watched like Big with Tom Hanks, and I was like, oh, this was a great movie. I don't remember all these cuss words in here. And we're letting our watch, kids watch it. like, oh, ee, ee. whatever. Don't say that. Anyway, so, <laughs> so anyway, so uh, <laughs> Daniel's like cussing at Mr. Miyagi which is an adult, which he shouldn't be doing. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? What the heck is going on? I'm sanding your stuff. I'm painting your fences, which seemed like a pretty good gig for Mr. Miyagi. He got all of his stuff done. I think it was a little unfair, yeah. But, uh, and by the way, side note, what kind of parent was that just to let him go like, hang out with some random adult getting drunk and making him paint all of his stuff? Anyway, hindsight. <laughs> she was. She was a single mom. She was working. Trust me, I got in a lot of trouble when my mom was working from like morning till night. I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, so <laughs> she was working. That's true. And so, uh, so anyway, he's like fed up. He's like, Mr. Miyagi, I'm tired of this. I'm cleaning all your stuff and doing all this. And he, he, Mr. Miyagi turns to him. He's like, huh. <laughs> that's what he does. Huh. He's like, show me sand deck. And then he goes, oh, no, stand up. <laughs> and he, he does it. And he, you know, lock your wrist, lock your wrist. And I remember as a kid going, oh, this is good. I'm going to use this. Wax on, wax. Like I lock my wrist. Wax on, wax off. And I'm training in my living room. Wax on, wax off. I gotta paint a fence. And so, <laughs> where's the fence? What do you need? We live in a, we live in apartments. We didn't have any fences. And so he's teaching him, and then he starts to get it, and he's like, oh. And Mr. Murray's like, oh, 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 look, I, look, I, oh, 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 how many catches all the things or whatever. And then he gets it. And so then they move on, and and the story goes. And I'm so, at this point, and, and Tracy will tell you too, and I always, I jokingly call her heartless because there's movies that are really emotional, and I look over and she's not crying. I'm like, oh man, why am I crying at this? And she's not heartless, I'm just extra emotional. So, so anyway, there's, there, towards the end when, <laughs> when, uh, when they go, when, when they're at the last fight and, and the bad kid's from Cobra Khan or whatever, and his, his teacher's like, sweep the leg. You remember that? Sweep the leg. He's like wiping blood off his nose. Sweep the leg. He's like, but Sensei, sweep the leg. Yes, Sensei. And so he goes out there and, and, uh, and, and basically breaks his leg out from underneath him. And then the music starts to build up. Do you remember? <laughs> and you're going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you're excited about it. And at the very end, he, he does the, and you're like, oh, I remember this from earlier in the movie. And he does the crane kick. And he wins. <laughs> and I watched the clip of it this morning to kind of refresh my memory. And it's funny because they threw, it's like last minute, they threw this in there and, and, and the, the kid that ended up sweeping his leg like grabs the trophy and he's like, good job, LaRusso. And he's like, thanks. And then he just like walks off. <laughs> like, really? After all that, it was just like complete reconciliation. It's pretty funny. I'll preach that in another message. <laughs> it was quick. <laughs> but it seemed really cheap. Good job, LaRusso. You just broke my leg, dude. Anyway, so... <laughs> So at the very end, he does the crane kick, and, and, and you feel like you're there. You feel like, Whoo. and I probably was in the movie. Oh, I remember this from Mr. Miyagi. And, and so we're consumed with that story. 
And in the same way, I think Jesus does the same thing. That's why I love movies. And I think, I think that most of us get involved in movies and stories. And a lot of us like to read. And we just get so involved in these, these stories. And what I love about Jesus is when uh, 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 someone that, that knows the law and understands the rules and the regulations comes to him and, and tests him. says, what do you say about this? And Jesus says, okay, well, you know. And, and he always knows the answer to it, but he throws a question at him. And he goes, okay, you tell me you know this. And then he goes back and says, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're very good. But he knows. He knows what he's going to say. And so when he asks that question, he goes, there we go. Now we're getting to the issue. He goes, okay, well, who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He just goes, let me tell you a little story. (laughs) Now we read this and we call it the Good Samaritan. Jesus didn't call it the Good Samaritan. And I'm sure the the Jewish people were not thinking the Good Samaritan. (laughs) If you know, and we've talked about Samaria, how they were taught, and I did some more research about this this morning too, how they were taught basically to hate each other. They didn't communicate with each other. Jews and Samaritans didn't communicate. Both, both uh, cultures, religious teachers taught them to stay away from each other. This was, this was common. Um, and so these were fairly racist, if you want to say, people that did not like Samaritans at all. Um, that's why I love, and I've taught probably 10 different sermons on the woman at the well because I love that story because it speaks volumes um, about who Jesus was and how he broke through all the, the cultural lines and, and racial lines and even you know with men and women and everything. He just broke all that stuff down. And so Jews would go all the way around Samaria. They didn't even go through it because they, they just hated that area and it, they were uncomfortable in there and they hated those people. Now here we get to this story. This is great. Um, in verse 29 it says, but, but wanting to justify himself, trying to find a loophole, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, where he was going to identify is he, he was a Jew going through near an area. And this would be a common area. Like he's, he's talking to people about things that they know. They know the road. They understand it. They know the types of people that they're talking about. They know people get robbed on this road sometimes. They know the friction between the two cultures. He's telling a story that they can relate to. He's drawing them into the story, okay? In the same way, I would say, you know, this guy was going down Dawes Road and he was beaten up by this certain group of people and you would recognize who I'm talking about. Does that make sense? So he's, he's, he's drawing them into the story. Okay, this is what happened. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead, which is better than whole dead. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down that road when he saw him and he passed on the other side of the road. Now, I love Jesus' wording here because he... Identify, he's, he doesn't want to be bothered with this man. He goes to the other side of the road and goes around him. He's too busy. Now, the priest does this. Now, behind him is a Levite. Now, the Levites would often serve the priest in this time. So, the Levite was probably following the priest, and they would serve the priest. So, he's probably going to some service or something to serve him. He's busy. He's, he's about his business. He's about ministry. <laughs> and so, he's busy. He's too busy for this guy. Now, then a Samaritan passes. Now, he's talking to a, a probably most, if not all, Jewish audience. And I can imagine when he says a Samaritan passed by, the Jews are going, mm-mm, I don't like this. They're not thinking good Samaritan. They're thinking, I don't like where the, I can see where the story's going and I don't like it. This is not the way we feel about this. He says, a Samaritan on his journey came up and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him into an inn and took care of him. The next day he took him to Denarii, Gave them the innkeeper. Now, this wasn't just a, a hotel. This was an inn that had an innkeeper, so it was a high-end hotel. This was a good place, better than they, they probably thought a Samaritan should be, honestly. So he brought him into a nice place, and he paid for him 
in advance. And they said, anything else he needs, put it on my tab and I'll pay for it when I come back. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man? Now here's what's interesting. You see what Jesus did there? He flipped it. The guy asked him, who is my neighbor? But Jesus is saying, who are you? What kind of neighbor are you? Who proved to be the good neighbor? He's, he's messing with the guy. Jesus is so cool. <laughs> he's really messing with the guy's head. Now, what I want to talk about is you individually. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. There's going to be a bit of a twist at the end, so don't leave thinking that I'm, I'm trying to get you a few points to make you a better Christian because you know me and that's not what I do. But I want you to examine yourself today. And, and listen to me. This is going to get interesting towards the end. I want you to try, to try to put yourself, because I think this is what Jesus is doing here. He's explaining kind of the whole human condition all in one story. And he's drawing us into the story. I think that's what he's doing to them, and I think that's what he's doing to us in Scripture. He's trying to draw us into this story. Now, we, for the most part, understand law and good and bad and that kind of things, but he's trying to pull us into the story. And so we're going to look at five characters in the story. The lawyer, the priest, the Levite, the beat-up Jew on the side of the road, and the Samaritan. These are the five people that are in this story. Now, before I say anything, I, could, I can identify with probably all of these different people at different times in my life. So don't think that I'm trying to point at you and say, who are you in this story? Because I think we can all somewhat identify with lots of characters. Listen, I'm not better than any of you. As I was studying this, I began to see a lot of these characters in me. Um, and I think the Lord can help us through some of that stuff. First, I looked at the lawyer. He was looking for a loophole. He was making excuses. How many times have you caught yourself, and I know I have, trying to justify my own actions? Trying to say, okay, <laughs> how many times have you looked for advice from people and you think you're seeking wise counsel from several people when really you're just looking for someone to agree with you? <laughs> Let's be honest. I want, to hear, I want someone to say what I want to hear. Thank God for people that don't tell us what we want to hear. Sometimes we need to hear something that, that, it, that, that is different than what we think we want. Those are good friends to have. But how many times do we try to justify our own actions by, by finding other people to agree with what we want to do and try to find, what, a loophole? Well, who is my neighbor? I'm okay with going to Judea or Jerusalem, but I don't know about Samaria. That's kind of scary. It's equivalent to us saying, I'm okay going to Westmobile or maybe here, but not Pritchard. That's kind of dangerous. That, that would be drawing us into the story. I'm okay if you leave me somewhere safe but I don't know about this other place. Let me tell you, the least, the least safe place for you to be is outside the will of God. There are things that we try to justify and try to make about us that are not about us at all. Do we identify as the priest? Listen, this really resonated with me. We're so busy. <laughs> We're so busy about ministry that we forget about people. That we forget about the person right in front of us. We're so busy with trying to do things and make things work that we forget about the person that needs us right there, the person that's, that's, that is desperate, that we're so busy trying to, trying to feed everybody that we miss that one person that needs us. Listen, I've been, I've been busy and I've forgotten about, you know, you know, my daughter's tugging at me and I'm like, I've got to get this done, I've got to study, I've got to do this. But there's times when I go, okay, you know, this is more important. I need to spend time with my daughter. Listen, I identify with those people. I identify with this priest that's busy. 
I kind of lumped the Levite in there with him. He's so busy and he's so focused on helping <laughs> the priest that he misses the point. He misses the bigger picture. And then there's Samaritan. We all want to be the Samaritan, right? I skipped the beat up Jew. But I'm going to get to him at the end. There's a Samaritan. Is this not the one that we want to be? Let's be honest. We want to be the Samaritan in the story. It's pretty straightforward. We want to be the Samaritan. Samaritan, not the Samaritan. We want to be the Samaritan in the story. What's interesting is Jesus almost steps back and says, hmm, if only you could be perfect like I'm perfect. If only there was a Savior. <laughs> listen, we're, we're designed to be like the Samaritan. We want to be like the Samaritan. But listen, we can't be on our own like the Samaritan. We, don't, we, we can't do it on our own. We need a Savior. The beat-up Jew is the one I want to kind of focus on and kind of wrap up with. This, this is the place that I've kind of forgotten about over my years of being saved since I was 20. I'm 39 now. And sometimes we need to be reminded of where we've come from. And some of you either are there now or have been there at some point when you are ready to give up. When you're beat up, you've been left, people in ministry have walked around you. The ones you thought you could trust have walked out of your life. Life has kind of thrown you a curve, and and it's not the way you planned it. And you're at the brink of giving up, but you just you feel like you're breathing to death. <laughs> People ask you how you're doing, you say, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm okay. And you're just begging someone to say, no, you're not. You're not okay, I see something. I can identify with that beat-up Jew that's on the side of the road because I was there. Cursing the very one that's trying to save me. Listen, the Samaritan was the one that reached out to him. This is the polar opposite of who they are. This is the opposite culture. This is the one they grew up to hate and to not associate with. Listen, I spent the pretty much the first half of my life running and hating God for all the troubles that I went through and all the destruction and all the abuse and drugs and everything that went on in my life. I hated God and I hated people. I was the opposite of a Christian. <laughs> and I cursed the one that was reaching out to me. And I wanted to give up. I've told you guys before, I, I never thought I'd make it past 20. Me and Patrick were talking yesterday, and uh, he, he would say, he mentioned something about, you know, you ever imagine you know, that you'd be here doing this? And I was like, I never thought I'd make it past 20. <laughs> I really did. I thought, I'm going to live as wild as possible. I don't want to settle down. I don't want to get married. <laughs> I don't want to have kids. I want to live as wild as possible and die young because I don't want to deal with, with all the drama that comes with adulthood. I was very ignorant and young. Sorry. But I knew that the path that I was on was leading to that. I knew it, even though I didn't understand any grander scheme. I understood the path that I was going and where I was going. But the Samaritan, he chased me down. He found me. Listen, look, look at this story. 
He didn't wash his wounds with water. He washed them with olive oil and wine, the very best things. He put him on his own animal. He took him to an inn. He took care of him. He took out money in advance. And he said he'll take care of everything. Anything he spends, he'll, he'll reimburse it in full. Listen, we can identify with several people in this story. In different, we're in different areas and different places, and there's nothing wrong with any of those. But I'm telling you, there's a good Samaritan. And there's a truth beyond our understanding and our perspective. And that's that he, he wants to meet you right where you are. Whether you identify as the priest, the priest that's busy about your own business, whether you identify as a lawyer that's trying to find a loophole in all of this. Listen, I can identify as that. The whole time I was probing this guy, Jarrett, when I, when I first got saved, I was trying to find his angle, his hustle. What is this guy about? I know church people. I know how they are. What's his angle? Is he trying to get me saved? Is he trying to get me in his church so that he can look good in front of his church people? What, what's, his, what's his angle? What's his hustle? I was the lawyer. What's, what is going on? I want to find out the truth about this. And he met me right where I was. Listen, my friend Jared didn't convince me to become a Christian, that it was a better way than I was going. I was attracted to the Holy Spirit that was within him. That same Holy Spirit lives within you. We're in different places in life individually. We can identify with different people here but we all need the Samaritan, whether you admit it or not. We all need a Savior. And I do. I imagine God going, huh, and that, that picture of him laughing. Here I am. I'm good. Listen, when we fast towards something, this is what we're fasting towards. We're fasting towards unity within our body and understanding who we are and where we are. And so when we see that other person, we say, hey, how are you? And they say, I'm good. You go, look deeper. Are you really? How are you? There's no substitute for time spent with people. Listen, I can tell you from experience, we've tried to connect with as many people in this church as we can. We want to try to meet more of you and get to know you more and more. But I can't do it on my own. And me and Tracy can't do it on our own. We need you. We need you guys to do the same thing. We need you to make those connections with people within our church and people outside these walls. And I'm not talking about, hey, you're going to hell. I need to get you saved right now. I'm talking about, hey, I love you. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. Let me put a jacket on you. Let me show you this Jesus that I know. Let me take care of you. Let me help you. It's not as complicated as we've made it. And it's not as nearly as awkward as we've made it. Guys, if you'll stand up with me. Seems like we do something different every Sunday, but I, I, I seriously try to come up here early and pray and listen to the Holy Spirit and see what direction He's going. And I feel like today He's speaking to, to us individually. You know, we talk corporately the direction we're going and, and what we're fasting towards, but I just feel like today he's dealing with, with people individually in this place. 
And so I just want to give an opportunity. Listen, if, if you've never received this, this ext- extremely great trade-up, I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. I want to give you an opportunity to, to trade, um, trade your broken life for his perfect one. Listen, the twist in this story is that I can't tell you steps to get to this place. All I can do is show you the Savior. I can't convince you that this is the best way, but I can declare the truth. And the truth is that He loves you right where you are. Whether, you're, whether you've been beaten up and you're half dead and you feel like no one cares about you, and you feel like you're on the side of the road and, and you've been betrayed and you've been hurt and you've tried really hard but it's just not enough, listen, he's there to pick you up and he'll put you on his horse and he'll take you to his end and he'll pour out his blessings on you. Not mediocre blessings but olive oil and wine, the very best that he has he'll pour out on you. He will trade his righteousness for your rags. Listen, if you're in ministry, and I know many of you are in, are in here in ministry with me. Listen, if you've gotten caught up in it and you're, you're so busy about ministry that you've missed, you've missed it. You've missed the bigger point that you've gotten to a place that you thought you wanted to be. You've got plans and you've got, you've got these ideas. Listen, I'm in, I'm in there with you. Listen, you can, you can get to a place and be somewhere you thought you wanted to be but not be the person that you need to be. You can be in a place but not become the person that God wants you to be. Listen, he's calling you. He's saying, "You're what neighbor are you? This is who you are. And he's calling up truth in you. Listen, if you're the lawyer trying to find an angle or a loophole, he's trying to draw you into a story. He's not trying to give you more rules and laws that you can't remember and that you can't keep. He's trying to pull you into his story. And the reason he draws us into his story is because He is with us. He's not far away saying, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. He's saying, I'm with you. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Listen, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego last week. And the trials came up, they turned the fire seven times hotter. King Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and said, I see a fourth man in there with him. And he looks like the Son of God. Listen, if you're going through something today and you feel like you can't deal with it, he is with you. So guys, right where you are, if you want to come up here, the altar's open, or if you just want to receive it right where you are, I just want to pray for you. And it's as easy as saying, I accept it. I receive this great love you have for me. So, Father, right now, pour your love out on your people. Father, to that, to that man or that woman or that young man or that woman that, that you're speaking to right now, it's not my words, but it's your Holy Spirit that pierces their hearts. And I pray for your love and your focus and your your desires to just fill them right now. This is your reality. 
Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you come and you meet us right where we are. And thank you that you just don't leave us there, but you walk with us and you show us the way. Father, seal in the hearts of the people that have just received you in here today. Father, know that there are people in here that love them, that want to talk to them and pray for them. Father, help us to open our hearts to people. And I just thank you that you, you are a good, good Father. In Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Listen, guys, I want to encourage you. The truth about you is what God says about you. There are many opinions. I've got opinions. Everyone has opinions and judgments. But the truth about you is what God says about you. And when you leave this place today, you are the church. It's very difficult and counterintuitive for me to continue to downplay Sunday mornings. <laughs> but I understand that, that ministry is much more than Sunday mornings. And so I want to encourage you as you leave this place, you are the light that people need to see. You are the truth and you carry it with you. This is the reality that they need. And so I want to encourage you as you leave this place and you go, and, and you go, to, go to lunch, look, be a good tipper. <laughs> I know a lot of servers that hate serving church people because they don't tip well. Bless people. Bless people when you see them. Pray for your waiter, your waitress. If you're going to meet family, especially the annoying ones, <laughs> love them and pray for them and meet them where they are. Don't forget where you were. Listen, God will meet you right where you were, but He won't leave you where you are you'll begin to be that mother, that brother, that business owner that's different. That neighbor <laughs> that's different. You are the light. So remember that as you go out this place. Just, I just want to seal that in your heart. So I love you guys. Have an awesome week. Sorry, I'll just keep talking if I hang out up here. Have a blessed week. You guys are dismissed. Love you.